Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in this series on the book of Ephesians. Today we're going to be in chapter 2 and we're going to finish it out talking about reunited. This is our second lesson on reunited. It's reunited part 2 and we're going to be looking at how the Jews and the Gentiles were united together in this mysterious age or the age of mystery called the church age. We're going to see that Paul, as he's speaking about the church, says that we are joined together to make one body. This is important for a lot of reasons, and it sets the foundation for what Paul's going to talk about later on in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy this lesson. All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, if you guys remember, uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've been in Ephesians. But we did reunited part one in the first part of chapter two, the first nine verses. We talked about how we are reunited with God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but he made us alive through Christ. And uh, by, by grace, through faith, we're saved. And that's a reunited that we talked about today. We're talking about reunited again. We call it reunited part two. And it's the rest of Ephesians chapter two. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so we're going to look at it. So let's read. Uh, let's just read all of them real quick, real, all the way through, and then we'll, we'll go through it. So it says in verse 10, this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Therefore remember that you formerly were the Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you, who were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, and broke down the barrier wall of dividing, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments and containing ordinances so that in himself he might make the two into one new man thus establishing peace and might reconcile them both into one body God through the cross and having put to death the enmity and he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have access in one spirit to the father so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom excuse me, in whom the whole building being fit together is growing into a holy temple of the Lord, in whom you are also building, being built together in a dwelling place of God's Spirit. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. I pray that uh, you'd encourage or convict us as needed as we look at this and pray that you would just uh, speak through me and want to be my words, but it be yours. And pray also in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we're looking at reunited. Uh, it's, it's interesting, this passage of Scripture, I really like it because we're talking about how Jews and Gentiles make up the church, uh, the masterpiece of God, and we're going to look at what that means, and we're going to look at take a, a quick peek at like what it was like for Gentiles in the Old Testament, and then what it's like for Gentiles now, because it's different, and we're talking about Gentile believers. Okay, as we look at this, right, let's see if we can. 
There we go. All right, you guys know what that is? The Mona Lisa. Yeah, well, I guess it's on there, right? Uh, this is probably the most, not probably, it is the most famous masterpiece or work of art that there has ever been, right? If you say Mona Lisa, everybody knows what it is pretty much, right? Yeah, it's the most famous uh, masterpiece of all time. Who, who made it? Who painted it? Anybody remember? Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, anyway, you guys know. You guys know. Okay. Uh, this work of art was done around 1503, 1506, um, and it was one of the most valuable paintings of all time. It was worth $100 million in 1962, which means today, 2021, worth $870 million. Okay. Why is it worth so much? Because it's a masterpiece. Demand is high, right? Supply and demand. There's only one of them, right? So this thing's worth a lot of money. It's a masterpiece uh, that he made. A masterpiece is something that you create or you make, and uh, it's like your, your best work, right? Or something like that. It's, it's just a masterpiece, something you created, uh, you made it, and it looks good, right? And so, obviously, this is a masterpiece. Today, we're going to be looking at what God calls his masterpiece, his masterpiece, and it's actually the church. Okay, Paul has finished telling us, or telling the believers in the audience, that they were dead, but they were made alive, they were reunited with God through Jesus. And now in this verse, he moves on to discuss another re reunion. Okay, it's a reunion between basically Jews and Gentiles to make up the church, to make up the body of Christ, one man who's reunited with God. Okay, this discussion starts in verse 10, and it continues with the therefore in verse 11. So let's read verse 10, uh, and let's talk about the masterpiece. It says, For we are his workmanship, or masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. As you guys know, we've been going through the first nine verses, and he's been saying, for the most part, you, you, you. And as we've been looking at Ephesians, we've been seeing that Paul is using... Uh, the you and the we, or the us and the you, to signify like a change. Right? So he's been saying, hey, um, you were dead in your trespass and sin, uh, saying that each individual was doing that. Earlier on in chapter 1 we saw he said we, uh, talking about the church, was something that God had planned before the foundation of the world. So he's using this us and this we to kind of signify different groups that he's talking about. Here he says in verse 10, for we or his workmanship, or his masterpiece. When he transitions to the we here from verse 9, because he's been saying you, he's talking about the church. He says the church is God's masterpiece. That word masterpiece or workmanship, it means creation. Okay? It means creation, but it's like this idea of, hey, it's your work, it's your creating. So like when uh, the Mona Lisa was made, right? Leonardo, he's like painting it. It's his creation, his work of art. His masterpiece, right? And so that's what this word is talking about here. So it's a masterpiece. And he's not talking about each individual person here. A lot of people say that he is. But when he says we, he's talking about the church. Okay, we know in like Psalm 139 that we're all created in our mother's womb, right? So he does make each and every single one of us. He knows he can count all the hairs on our head. Like he knows us, he creates us. All that is true. But Paul here is talking about the church when he says we, the church, is his masterpiece. We are his work, workmanship. Okay, just like we saw in chapter 1, we are created for good works, okay, which he created us to do before the foundation of the world, which is really important because God didn't... So you guys know the history, the timeline, like the dispensations, right? 
So he created Adam and Eve. There's innocence, and the, then the fall, the age of the Gentiles, all that. The age of the Jews, right, or the Moses's age, right, or whatever you want to call that dispensation. Uh, the most people call it the law. So he has this law, and everything is going through the Jews, right? God comes through the Jews. He speaks through the Jews. Everything comes through the Jews, right? Okay. And during that time period. Um, during that time period, the Jews are selected to be his ambassadors, his masterpiece. Okay, here, he says that the church, Jews and Gentiles, we'll look at a second, is now the ambassador and the masterpiece. Okay, there's a little bit of a transition, but God, the reason this is important, I'm going back to the verse 10 here, which he created before the foundation of the world, he prepared beforehand. The reason that's important is because he didn't mess up. It's not like he said, hey, the law, that didn't work out like I thought it would. So now I'm going to make the church. Does that make sense? He knew before the foundation of the world that he'd have a law, Jesus would come, he'd fulfill the law, and then we'd have the church. And this masterpiece he created, he created before the foundation of the world. Okay, so that's verse 10. We're created to do good works, okay, to be the lights, to be ambassadors for Christ. Verse 11 starts what we're really going to be talking about today with therefore. Okay? He says, therefore, saying, hey, because of all this stuff that we've been talking about. Okay, therefore, and we're going to look at the old way. In verses 11 and 12, we see the old way, the, things, the way it was before Christ came for Gentiles and Jews. Okay, it says, Therefore remember that formerly you... Now, he, he turns back to a you here. Okay, he's not saying we. Okay, why? Let's look at it. Formerly you, the Gentiles. Well, is Paul a Gentile? No, no. Paul was not a Gentile. He was a Jew. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul, Paul was a Jew. He was the apostle to the Gentiles, but he was not a Gentile. He was a Jew. Okay, and so as Paul ta- starts here, he says, hey, you Gentiles. So now we can know that this you is talking to Gentiles specifically. He says, you Gentiles, okay, you formally. Okay, so therefore remember that you formerly Gentiles in the flesh were called uncircumcision by those who were so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands remember that you were okay that you is gentiles you were at that time separate from christ excluded from the commonwealth of israel strangers to the covenant promise having no hope without god in the world okay this this church age where jews and gentiles are all together and we're masterpieces it wasn't always like that Okay? There was a different way during that law period, during that time of the law. And we have it, as Gentiles, we have it a lot better now. So we're going to look at it the old way. Um, back in the Old Testament, could anybody be saved? Yeah, anybody could be saved, right? How were they saved? Believing in the coming Messiah. That's exactly right. If they believed in the coming Messiah, then they would be saved. Okay, But was everybody near God? No. Why not? Because they had sinned and... Well, that's true. That's true. Because Israel was God's chosen people. Okay, so where was God located in the Old Testament? With the Israelites, more specifically. Okay, the Ark of the Covenant, which was where? Tabernacle or temple, depending on the time period, right? The Holy of Holies. You guys ever heard of the Holy of Holies? Okay, that's where God was. So if you were a Gentile, could you be near God? Absolutely not. You couldn't even go in there, right? You couldn't even get close. Okay, if you were a Gentile, if you would have to actually become an Israelite to be near God and worship Him in the same way that the Jews do, and even then, you couldn't even be in 
in the same way. And so this is really what Paul is talking about. Formerly before Christ died and rose again, the uncircumcised were included but excluded. Okay, They were included meaning like anybody could be saved, yeah. But God wasn't using Gentiles like Moses' uh, father-in-law. Was he saved? Does anybody know? Yeah, we think he was. I mean, it seems like everything we read, I mean, it seems like he was uh, believing in the coming Messiah. Okay, was he near God? No, no, he wasn't near God. He wasn't an Israelite. He couldn't worship in that way. He couldn't go near the tabernacle. He actually lived in Midian. Okay, he wasn't even with Israel. So he was never near God. And even though he could respond to God, worship to God, pray to God, okay, he could not do it in the same way that the Jews could. They were separate from Christ. Okay, and that's what verse 12, 11 and 12 are talking about. Remember in verse 12 that you were separate from Christ. Okay? Separate from the coming Messiah. Who did the coming Messiah come through? The Jews. The Jews, right? Did they come? He didn't come through the Gentiles. They were separate from that. The Gentiles, the Messiah did not come through the Gentiles. It came through the Jews. Okay, they were separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, they were excluded from Israel. They weren't part of Israel. Okay, why is that important? Because God chose Israel to serve Him, right? To be that light, to be that ambassador, to bring forth the Messiah for all those things. Okay, and then it goes on. He says, strangers of the covenants of promise. Okay, there are certain things that are promised to Israel. Gentiles are excluded from that, right? They were excluded from that. Um, and then having no hope and without God in the world. Okay, so does that mean that these people, none of these people were saved? No. No. Gentiles, there were Gentiles that were saved, right? What does it mean that he's without, they're without God in the world? We were formerly without God in the world. Well, in the world, we were without God. We couldn't, we, it was just, it's not the same as the Jews. They were with God, right? Jews were with God, so Gentiles were without God. They weren't a part of Jew, the Jewish. Uh, they weren't a part of Israel. They weren't a part of any of that. They didn't have the tabernacle. They didn't have the temple. Okay, they didn't have any of that stuff. It reminds me of a story. This is, uh, I got this from The Chosen, so I don't know if this is what it actually looks like. But this is John chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit of it to you because this is the woman at the well. Who, who remembers this story? Okay. Um, it's a really good story. If you, most of you guys remember it. I'm probably not going to read it all then. Uh, but basically, what happens in John 4 is they're, Jesus and his disciples, they're all heading uh, across country and they, they hit this well. Okay, and it's in Samaritan country. So this woman's a Samaritan. Samaritans, are they Jews? No, they're half Jew, half Gentile. So they're treated as Gentiles. And so Jesus basically has this conversation with this Samaritan woman, tells her everything about herself. Okay? And so she believes in him as a coming of Messiah eventually um, through all that speaking and talking. But in the middle of it, in the middle of it, uh, Jesus talks to her and, and they talk about worshiping God. And uh, she says, basically, hey, you know, you guys, you Jews, you say that you can only worship um, in Jerusalem. And we say you can worship over here. And, and then Jesus goes on to talk about it. Look at this is verse uh, 21. Jesus said to her, after kind of in this middle of this conversation, talking about worship, he says, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain, meaning Samaria, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But what you... Uh, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Okay? But an hour is coming and is now here, because the Messiah was there. He is the Messiah. 
okay, and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is Spirit, and those who worship Him should worship in Spirit and truth. Okay, so this is kind of a weird exchange, but Jesus is saying to this woman, He's saying, hey, you worship what you don't know. Why do the Samaritans not know God? Because they're excluded. They're without God in the world. Right? They're without God in the world. Because salvation came by the Jews, not by the Samaritans. Right? Where'd the word of God come from? The Jews, not the Samaritans. Everything came through the Jews. And so he says, hey, you're worshiping something that you don't know, but it's not going to be like that for long. In fact, an hour is coming and is now here because I'm here. When you're anybody is going to be able to worship, not in Jerusalem, not on your Samaritan hill, but worship God in spirit and in truth. Where does God reside today? In heaven. In every one of us. In us, right? The Holy Spirit. So can we worship God anywhere now? Yes. Can we be near God anywhere? Yes. Yes, we can. Because of Christ. Okay, because of Christ. This is what Paul's talking about. Jesus said it as well. Okay. Uh, in those first dispensation, like in the very first dispensation, like God walked with mankind and all that. But then Abraham, after him, like God just came through the Jews. And so everybody else is excluded from this. Gentiles had no hope of being with God on earth. Okay? Because they couldn't be. Because God was with the Jews. Okay? And you had to join Israel or join the Jews in order to get that. Okay? Now, that's the way it was. That's the old way. Okay, that's the way it was before Christ. Now let's look at the new way, or the church. Okay, this starts in verse 13. It says, but now in Christ. Okay, that but signifies a contrast, right? This is the way it was, but now there's a contrast. But now it's something different. But now in Christ Jesus, remember Jesus said, hey, that hour is coming and is now here. Okay, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off, not, being, not meaning that you weren't saved, but you were formerly far off, who couldn't be with God, who had no hope of God, of being with God in this world. Okay, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who made both groups. What groups? Jews and Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles okay? Who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of dividing wall. What does that sound like? The veil, right? When he died on the cross, what tore? The veil going into where? Who resided there? God. So that that veil was torn, signifying that, hey, God no longer resides here. He's going to reside where? In us. And that dividing wall was torn down in there and the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles because that wall was torn and now God is in all, all of us. Now Jews and Gentiles can come together, being one group. The dividing wall was torn down when Christ died and rose again. Okay? By, in verse 15, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, okay, getting rid of the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that he himself might make the two groups into one man, establishing peace. Okay, I think I have 13 through, okay, 16 on here, good. So this is the word, I've, I've highlighted some stuff on here so you can see it better. Look at the, the, this is the point. This is the whole point of what Paul's talking about at the end of chapter 2, and really all of chapter 2. He just started by saying, hey, we were brought near to God, we were dead, and we were reconciled to God. And then, now he's saying, hey, but Christ, you were formerly far off. Who's the you? The 
Gentiles, right? He's saying, hey, you Gentiles, I'm a Jew, but you Gentiles are far off, have been what? Brought near, okay, by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He's bringing peace for, to the two groups who made both groups, Jews and Gentiles, um, and broke down the barrier dividing wall. Okay, he broke that down again when we come together by abolishing his flesh, the enmity, okay, or the separation between Jews and Gentiles. Okay, there's that separation there. Why? Well, yeah, but there's, there's a separation because God chose Israel and didn't choose the Gentiles. Yeah. That's not because he didn't love one more than the other or anything, but he chose the Gentiles, he chose Abraham. Okay, so he chose them. So there's this distinction, this differential. One is, okay, uncircumcision, circumcision, right? That's the signifying mark of, hey, we are a chosen people of God. The Messiah is coming through us. We are the circumcised. Gentiles, we are uncircumcised. God doesn't come through us. We can still be saved, but we are not chosen for that. We're not chosen to serve and be ambassadors. Okay, so there's that enmity, that separation there, which is the law, commandments, ordinances. Did, were the Gentiles under the laws, commandments, and ordinances? No, they weren't. The, Gentile, the Jews were. They were under that. Why? Because they were chosen, right? So they were under that law. They were set apart as holy and blameless to look differently because the Messiah was coming through them. They were the ambassadors and lights of the world. They were set apart. They were supposed to look different. They had the laws and commandments to do that. Gentiles didn't. Okay, that enmity came through those laws and commandments and ordinances that he himself might make the two groups into one again, thus establishing peace, that he might reconcile or bring them back both into one body. What does that sound like? One body. The church, the church right? Yeah. One body to God who threw on the cross, having put to death again the enmity, the separation. So this whole thing is God bringing the two groups into one. He's talking about the mystery age, the dispensation of the church. Saying, hey, we're bringing this back together. Okay, in verse 17, he says, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off or far away, and peace to those who are near. He preached peace to both. Okay, for through him but we both have access in one spirit to the Father. How do we have access to the Father? Jesus, he is our mediator. Timothy says he's our mediator. Okay, we have access to the Father through him. We also have access to God through the Holy Spirit who's in us. So then, uh, in verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, okay, not positionally, but fellowship, practically, because Gentile believers positionally were gods, right? If they believed in the Old Testament as Gentiles, they are still gods. Okay, but uh, practically speaking, they weren't gods, right? They weren't God's chosen people. So they are no longer strangers. We as Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens. Gentile believers aren't. But we are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets in Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Again, sounds like the church, which is being built on who? Who did Jesus say? Who did Jesus say the church would be built on? Peter. Peter. The apostles, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Peter's the, the rock that the church is going to be built on, right? And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of the church. Okay, he's the head of the church, which we'll look at later on in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul goes more and more into this and says, hey, you guys are one church and you guys need to have one unified mind message and everything. So he's building it all up to hit chapter 4. Hey, in verse 21, in whom the whole building 
being fitted together is growing into a holy temple or a set-apart temple for the Lord. Who was set apart in the Old Testament? The Israelites. The Israelites. Now we're set apart as a church to be a temple for the Lord, to be a light for the Lord, to be a light for Christ. We are that. Okay, in whom you also, you specifically, Gentile believers, all believers, are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So now, this change has happened. Okay, Christ dies, He rises again, and this change happens. This dividing, this separate, this enmity, it all comes together in one. Okay, and the, the reason, part of the reason this is so important, guys, is because a lot of people teach that like the church kind of just replaced Israel. We got rid of Israel, and it's not true. Okay, we've been joined with Israel for this time. God has allowed us to join with Israel for service. A lot of people get confused on who was saved, when could they be saved, how could they be saved. And it's been the same the whole time. Anybody can be saved if they believe in the Messiah for eternal life, coming or past. It's always been that way. And that's the way it's always going to be. But when we're talking about service, we have something really special. Because as I think all of us are Gentiles, Skynes, they might have a little bit of, a little bit. They might be a little Samaritan, a little, you know, of... uh, Jewish in them, uh, right? Yeah, but you're still not full blood, right? So we're all Gentiles in here. Okay, we're all Gentiles in here. So in the Old Testament, we couldn't be near God. We didn't have that privilege. We wouldn't have been able to serve God the same way. Okay, we didn't have that privilege. That would have stunk compared to what we have now, right? Because now we get to be His. We get to serve Him. We get to be His light. We get to be His, like, all that. Like, it's so cool. Okay, there's this guy named Constable. He has five things uh, that the Old Testament Gentile believers did not have that we have now. Yeah, right here. First, and this just goes along with what we've already said, but these are he puts it into five categories. It says, first, Gentile believers were separate from Christ, the Messiah. Messiah didn't come through them, right? They were separate from that. Second, God excluded them as the people um, from the citizenship of the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, they weren't a part of Israel. They didn't have citizenship in that, and God didn't work through them in that way. <coughs> Third, they had no direct part in the promises of God to Israel, containing the biblical covenants, Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, all that stuff. Fourth, as a race of people, the Gentiles had no corporate future promise by God which they could look to or look at and in which they could hope as Israel did. Israel had a hope of a coming Messiah. Everybody had a hope of a coming Messiah, but as a corporate race and a people group, they didn't have the Gentiles didn't have a Messiah that was coming to them, right? He was coming to Israel, okay? Not that nobody could believe in him. Everybody could believe in him, but he was coming through Israel, right? To Israel. Uh, and then fifth, they were separate or without God. They were godless and without God's special help is the way Constable put it. Like I said earlier, it's basically you're, you're not being used by God. You don't have God like God wasn't, um, didn't choose the Gentiles to give them that special help, right? God led the people of Israel out of Egypt, not the people of Midian, right? All right, so all that, okay, does all that kind of make sense to you guys? Okay, all that, so what's the impact? Oh, I didn't have an impact slide? All right, cool. All right, what's the impact? You guys just have to listen and write it down, yes. The impact, the whole point, the church is God's masterpiece. Okay, the church is God's masterpiece. He planted from before the foundation of the world. So it's not like, hey, I messed up with the Jews, now I'm going to try it with the Gentiles, which is what a lot of people try and make it sound like. 
That's not true. Um, he had this plan from the beginning of time. Okay, and we are a part of that church, and that's a huge, huge blessing. Okay, Jesus is our mediator. We have direct access to the Father. That's huge. Not everybody's always had that as a Gentile. That's a big deal. Okay, so what's, what should we do about it? We should walk in the good works as a part of the church that God called us to do. And we're going to look more at this in chapter 4, but we should be utilizing our gifts, our talents, and our abilities to live out who God created the church to be. Does that make sense? We should live out this holy and blameless light and ambassador that the church that God created the church before foundation of the world to be. Because you don't have to do that. As a believer, you don't have to be a part of the church. You don't have to live like God called you to live. But should we? Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get rewarded for it, which is really cool. I wish we'll get more into that later. Uh, but Paul is setting the ground. Remember, Paul's setting the ground here in chapter 2. To say, hey, the church is unique. It's special. It's joined together a body of believers that has direct access to God. And because of that... We're going to see that we have the Holy Spirit who gives us special gifts, talents, and abilities that we can utilize to build up the one body of Christ. It's pretty cool. So let's think about that this week. Let's think about how we can do that, how we can be a part of that. Um, and let's also thank and praise God for being in this dispensation, right? Being in this time period. It's really cool that He chose us uh, to be in this time period where, as a Gentile, I have a lot of benefits that I wouldn't have had beforehand. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.